0: Goodness. Yes. Okay. Round two. We had to restart. <laughs> we had a we had a minor. De- Nathan's microphone revolted. There was a whole technology thing. I did the end part at the beginning part. There was a lot of things that went wrong in the first draft of this guy yeah, not- literally than usual. Doing it again. Doing it doing it very much again. Um. But yeah, this is very much the. Uh, The round two electric boogaloo of this episode. Uh, thankfully we don't have to re-record the whole thing. We've done that before. That's no fun. Um, so you know what? I'm just taking this as a, as a fun little restart button. Hit the, hit the reboot, hit the let's go. Um, this is Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. Uh, before we read books though, usually we talk about current events. Um, the, we're weirdly always ahead of time or behind time because of the nature of the way we record this. So our current <laughs> events are always a little bit behind uh, what you guys know, but that's fine. You know what? We're okay being here a couple weeks behind current events. We remind you of things sometimes. Maybe that's useful, yes. right? Speaking of
1: of uh, current things that are not going to be current when they listen to it, behind the curtain here, we are recording this on Lennon's hundred fifty first birthday. We so happy are! birthday! Happy birthday Play to international again.
0: Play the international. Play the international. Oh, Boba, we miss you, buddy. Um, that being said, um, the biggest current event that happened in between the last time we recorded and this time, unless I'm vastly mistaken, was that uh, hey, they uh, they got th- they got the cop. They got that cop on those on those charges. They did the thing. Yeah, yeah, they did. That was fun. They did the thing, and of course, that means. That means,
1: uh, you know, the, the, the liberal mind, it's it's all solved. We've, ended, it's,
0: we've ended police brutality in America. We've done that's it. That's
1: right. That's right. We, we ended racism. It's, that's all we had to do. Hurrah. Hooray. Clap hands. Um, and of course,
0: then there were official statements. Ah my lord.
1: <laughs> then there were official statements. Um, there were? I, I don't know if, uh, if you heard uh, Nancy Pelosi's official statement
0: ah david i don't know what you're talking about man once we once they once they got that conviction i i turned it off uh because we had solved everything and i didn't need to pay (laughs) attention anymore
1: yeah so um when in doubt thank you person who was murdered for getting murdered is not a sound political stance especially when it's just brushing aside racism
0: woof yeah no not not great to uh the the thank you for sacrificing your life I'm sure George Floyd would have loved a choice as to whether or not he was gonna sack I don't know if you understand how words work Nancy um and like that they have meaning and that they sometimes don't mean the things you think they mean um well, and again I, I'm still convinced she thinks putting on the kente cloth and kneeling is what got this done I think so uh but then again
1: too it's it just it it makes no sense unless it's truly admitting him as a political pawn or truly claiming racism is over that uh that there's anything to thank George Floyd for it as as you know because what's he he, he got the person who murdered him in jail for murder. Like
0: ta da. <laughs> like how is zero We have solved nothing. <laughs> we have solved like- <laughs> it's almost like our justice system is woefully broken and not helping anyone yeah. at any level. Maybe that's a systemic thing that we should look at as opposed to going, ah, we've done My- it. Might be a little bit... Oh, actually,
1: uh, that's a good way to bring that up. So, to underscore that it's a systemic thing, uh, 30 minutes before the conviction was announced, a 15-year-old girl who had called for help, I guess she was basically getting jumped, had grabbed the knife in self-defense, wasn't even facing towards where the cop car pulled up and had called 911 for help. And the cop pulled up and I... (laughs) I would not recommend watching the video, um, as per usual. Uh, And then uh, after that, of course, the uh, cops decided to chant Blue Lives Matter at the girl's mother.
0: Yes, they did. They did do that. That was a thing that happened. So back. Yeah so we solved racism yay we did it we solved it we did it julian reed told me so it was on the tv it was good it was great yeah
1: and then the Uh, oakland raiders came out with a message that was not only in bad taste woof but like just in bad taste independently it happens to be the exact words and the exact stack the cops were wearing in their little bl- thin blue line, blue lives matter rally uh, when they were like wearing the shirt, make poking fun at Eric Garner.
0: Yeah, or, no,
1: it's at, um, George, George Floyd.
0: Floyd. It, it becomes so hard to remember which defenseless uh, black man was murdered Wh- in, in, was choked to death, was yeah. choked to death. You know, it just, there's so goddamn many, uh, <laughs> but no, it's okay. We got one guy, uh we we have we have thrown a guy in prison and that that will obviously solve the problem we're good mm-hmm. this is not no, this it. oh my god sorry i can't keep i can't keep the uh, facade up much longer this is it is and it's hard cuz it's like you want you want to feel it, it, you want to feel some joy some feeling of vindication you want some yeah. sort of, of catharsis there for knowing that that there is in the system that as it is designed right now that that some sort of retributive justice was done not restorative it's not going to make anything better um but that dirty little lizard part of your brain feels good about this but yeah and, s- and as
1: far as catharsis you know i mean this is something that that it should be you know taken in and and but it, it, Floyd family and loved ones. You know, they yes. they should be able to feel good about this. The rest of us yes. should be like, okay, a lot of work ahead.
0: A <laughs> lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Um especially especially just again with the narrative around um this latest shooting, I have seen more people going, well, she had a knife. I mean, what other options were there? They must have they had to shoot her kind of a thing like uh, obviously you know in the in the after the immediate aftermath of derek chauvin's conviction seeing people immediately jump back to what well no they didn't did have it, it they, you know he obviously oh, yeah. screwed up but not everybody screws up
1: well that's that's the perfect victim um i forget what's called perfect victim trope that's the trope i can't think of <laughs> um, no tropes are hard Tropes are hard is, to you think know, of yeah it's like okay well all these other victims they they didn't deserve it but this one this one did.
0: And it again it, it's the same same issue we had with their they were doing with uh uh that's to say right what was the uh Toledo Adam Toledo uh in oh, Chicago Adam same Toledo. Issue we were talking about Adam lo- Toledo, last week who's yeah um yeah yeah uh i'm 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 having a hard i'm genuinely having a hard time because it was what it was they had the chauvin trial went down then adam toledo Mm -hmm. body cam footage came out and i feel like the chauvin stuff has like buried that from the national news at the very least like the chauvin trial stuff like shoved all that under the fact i'm sure on the ground in chicago um i was gonna say i've seen i've seen
1: people in chicago like not forgetting (laughs) no 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 no. um, and that's the thing
0: i'm talking about the mainstream i'm talking about mainstream media's yeah narrative about what's going on yeah, yeah what they want mm-hmm. to push and what they don't want to push um yeah. and and that one fell off and then um so yeah so you had i mean again we had had in short order um the michael brown verdict adam toledo and then makia bryant all back to back to back to back and then deontay Wright in the middle of that um i almost for- i almost forgot about that jesus it has been a fucking yeah. month um
1: it's yeah. been a fucking
0: month um and, and it just feels like everything is, everything's getting sub, 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 you know, pushed under, sublimated underneath the, the Chauvin ruling. It feels like that Chauvin ruling is just being thrust out as a, oh, we did it. We got it. We got well, it taken care of. And there is, that's what it's for. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's things it. are at a point to point and point. They're,
1: they're, they're happy to throw one of themselves under. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 it was perfect, but it was that tweet you were talking Yeah. The, the tweet, and I don't, I don't remember who, who tweeted it, but you, I mean, you, it nail, it hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah. Oh, Dr. Therese Stelly. Uh, there we go. Uh, what was Oh, the tweet? yeah, Dr. burden Berdenselly is always yeah. dead. Uh, we need a comic of a pig roasting with a bad apple in its mouth to symbolize how they sacrificed old yes. boy to claim justice and pimp out police reform. Yeah. That dead on its nose is what, is what's happening. They're using one guy to to try and and they're all saying that I, I've seen I've seen political cartoons going the exact opposite way that they're like, well, one guy's bad, so they all must be bad, Brr. It's like, no, man, we've got like five more this week. How many do we need before we recognize that, that it's all probably not great?
1: Well, and again, we can go right back to the scene of, uh, where Makia Bryant was shot. The cops were popping up saying "Blue Lives Matter," like you know, as the Chauvin trial was about to have its verdict. Red. Mm -hmm. i mean it yeah it it just underscores it so much yep
0: it is it is depressing it is depressing and there is it, it can feel hopeless at times but there is there is work to be done and there is as long as as long as we're, we're paying attention to it and bringing attention to it and not letting these fall by the wayside and becoming numb to them, um, that's, I, I, right now there is, I mean, there is so much, you can see the work. I mean, you saw it in Minneapolis. You saw the, the people gathering, uh, ready for that verdict, ready in case, you know, that verdict didn't go the, the best way it could have gone in the situation. Um, Chicago, we're seeing, we're seeing people out on the streets, um, still for Adam Toledo um and and hopefully again this this doesn't slow down and this doesn't lose momentum again the people the this this whole thing was targeted for the white liberals it was not targeted for the people that are actually on the ground organizing they know what's going on and they know that this is a a a facile victory at best um
1: yeah there's there's a percentage of the population that's radical and there's a percentage of the population that intentionally wants to uphold the system. They, they clearly see it benefits them. They do not care what the truth is. And then there's like a chunk of the population that just goes with the wind blow, whatever is, whatever is trendy, that the, the overwhelmingly uh, white affluent liberals. And this was about, you know, them plus the radicals. That's too much. You got to get them flipped back to that other side.
0: Yeah. Got to get them back to being pacified and sipping sangria. All right. Well, after that fun-filled intro, uh, filled with happiness and joy and and definitely no depressing, uh, ugly you know, remnants of humanity, let's read more about how the system got as fucked as it did. Um, that seems like a healthy thing to do in these times. Let's read more, gang. Reading Black Reconstruction, uh, reading Chapter 11, Mississippi and Louisiana, and we are starting on page 460, uh, third paragraph down, about three-quarters of the way down the page. When the campaign was on for the election of eighteen sixty five, the colored leaders criticized the conservative address in the tribune. August eleventh, it is signed by ex judge Louis Davinode. Davinod Davinod Oh I was I was just
1: gonna let you go and just assume you stuck the landing because it sounded fancy.
0: Ah, uh, no, 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 Davy, no, Davy, Davino and Spencer G. Hamilton. There's a name I can get behind. It gives us the astounding news that at the breaking out of the rebellion, Louisiana was governed by wholesome and just laws. Really, really, okay. <laughs> very, <laughs> that's very that's a that's a very hot just. take right there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Give us your authority for this, gentlemen. Point us to the book and page. The fact that you immediately afterward referred to us the abundant harvest with which we used to be blessed leads us to suppose that, in your opinion, those wholesome and just laws were found in the infamous Black Code, by virtue of which the life of the poor man was worn out in laboring for the princely planters. The address assures us that before the war, we enjoyed life, liberty, exclamation point in parentheses, and the pursuit of happiness. We were plunged into war by ambitious men upon supposed and contemplated wrongs. That's a great way to describe slavery. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not name the men? It could do no harm to know their names. It labors under great fears from the party, which it admits exists in this state, advocating the pernicious doctrine of universal suffrage. The pernicious doctrine of universal suffrage. Holy cow. Uh, with a view of conferring upon the emancipated Negro the right of suffrage. The address does not, however, say a word in favor of the Negro, not emancipated, and who was always free. Why use the word emancipated? Are the men of color who were born free entitled to suffrage, in your opinion? If so, why not make the admission? At the same time, the Tribune, September 14th, attested the knowing the growing unity of the Negro group. We no longer hear of classes of colored men, some to claim the electoral franchise because they are rich, some because they are lettered, some because they bore an Uncle Sam's musket. All this was sheer aristocracy, and among those neglected, there were men as good, as true, as patriotic, and as intelligent as among the privileged classes. When citizens undertake to claim a right for themselves, they must claim it as a principle and therefore speak in the name of all who are deprived of the same immunities. As long as they do not consider the question from a high standpoint, as long as they overlook the principle for mere expediency, they will have no force whatever. It was this year that the new element of carpetbaggers began to to be felt in Louisiana. Hitherto, there had been the planter class, the military authorities, and the free colored people, all striving for the leadership of the freedmen. Now came the disbanded Union officers, the new small capitalists of the North, or those who represented them, although themselves without capital. Foremost among them was Henry Clay Warmouth. Warmouth took up his residence in Louisiana in eighteen sixty five. He was a young Union officer, then only twenty three years of age, and had an astonishing career. He was What an is an astonishing bu- career? Well, he was an unmoral buccaneer, <laughs> as opposed to those moral buccaneers. We shrewd th- and we have scallywags, we have all the pirates in this We jacket. have all the pirates. Uh shrewd, likeable and efficient. I what does that mean? <laughs> what does that what does efficient mean in this context? I'm so confused. A Who buccaneering? apparently who was for 10 years was practical master of the state of Louisiana. That's interesting. He represented those white men, Northern and Southern currently called carpetbaggers and scalawags who were either small capitalists or aspired to become rich and whose business it was to manipulate the labor vote, white and black. Some of them in many States we have shown were men of ability and vision, but most of those in Louisiana who were honest and forthright were early driven out by the turmoil and lawlessness. Types like Warmouth and Carter, who stayed, beca- represented the Carpetbagger and Scalawag at their worst. A Negro preacher described these types. He said that the Carpetbagger came south and stole enough to fill his Carpetbag, but, that the, scal- <laughs> but that the Scalawag, knowing the woods and swamps better, succeeded in stealing the full Carpetbag. There you go. Warmouth yeah, was can- a poor... <laughs> poor white Southern extraction whose great-grandfather was born in Virginia and whose grandfather moved to Illinois. His father was in the Mexican War, and Warmouth was born in Illinois in 1842. He declares in his biography that he had not a drop of any other than Southern blood in my veins. I think I may say at eighty-seven years of age that I was never a Louisiana carpetbagger, though I might, in common parlance, be termed a scalawag. Have we gone into what the difference between a carpetbagger and a scalawag is? We must have at some point, but I have must I have I have I, done forgotten. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't remember that part. This is getting a very like you're you're a carpetbagger,
0: you're a scalawag. This is getting very um. Here's the, here. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The, the the informal definition of scalawag is a person who behaves badly, but in an amusingly mischievous way rather than a harmful way. A rascal. And that's what I think of every time I hear scalawag. This is the problem. The other definition is a white southerner who collaborated with northern Republicans during Reconstruction, often for personal profit. The term was used derisively by white Southern Democrats who opposed Reconstruction. So if you were a white Southerner who was working with the radical Republicans in the North, you're a scalawag. That is different gotcha. than a carpetbagger, because a carpetbagger is someone from the North who came down to the South during Reconstruction. So there's your difference. Carpetbaggers come from the North, come South. Uh, Scalawags already in the South working with North before the war during Reconstruction, trying to trying to push it off. So basically just two different words for white folk that the Democrats don't like. Um, yeah. Um, the Republican Party of Louisiana had been
1: organized in 1863. It was composed of 26 members, of whom 21 were Union white men, and five free Negroes who had never been slaves and who were nearly all white, men of wealth and education. This committee issued a call for a convention which assembled in New Orleans September 27, 1865. A state committee was formed which proceeded to organize the Union Republican Party of Louisiana. There were 111 delegates, Delegates, of whom nineteen were free Negroes and one freedman. I thought free Negroes were freedmen.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, Warmoth was corresponding secretary of state <laughs> committee.
0: I got nothing. I was just making a noise. I have I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I have no idea what the difference could be. I mean I was I was perplexed when I read this like free Negro and a free okay. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. The Mississippi Black Code, the first to pass, distinguished between free okay. Negroes, which referred to those who had been free before the war, or freedmen oh. and mulattoes though placing similar restrictions on freedmen for all. Newly free were freedmen. Gotcha. So okay. The, so there's your difference. Free negroes had been free before the war, freedmen were freed after the war. Guys, we're doing definitions this week. We're
1: we're doing definitions.
0: We're We're jumping on it.
1: Uh, Warbeth was corresponding secretary of the state committee, and some of the free colored men were on the committee. Two of the resolutions said resolved that the system of slavery heretofore existing in Louisiana and the laws and ordinances passed from time to time to support it have ceased to exist. We protest against any and all attempts to substitute in their place a system of serfdom or forced labor in any shape resolved that the necessities of the nation called the colored man into public service and the most honorable of all duties that of the soldier fighting of the for the integrity for his country and the security of the constitutional government.
0: Let's this, not get carried away, guys. Te- That's not, That may not be the most important thing ever. There's, there's, there's <laughs> other things. There's, let's, let's not let's not get too carried away here. This,
1: with loyalty, patience, and prudence, is sufficient to assure Congress of the justice and safety of giving him a vote to protect his liberty.
0: Let's amend that to soldier fighting for his own freedom from a system of servitude. That's noble. But but fighting for constitutional government is a little... uh, I've seen some constitutional governments that suck. Let's be real.
1: The convention conceived the idea of adopting the congressional theory that Louisiana was a territory and holding a voluntary election for a delegate to Congress. The colored people especially fell in with the idea and carried it through. The Tribune, September 2nd, bore testimony to the unity of effort and feeling that the work of two colored men who originated the idea, Crane and Dunn. Too much praise cannot be given to the Central Executive Committee for their strenuous efforts towards the organization of such such a move, without the force of law and on the basis of voluntary cooperation. It has taken several weeks to complete the preliminary arrangements. All members of the committee have heartily contributed their shares. We must, however, mention in a more particular manner the services of two of these members. When the importance of the move will be fully understood and its consequences developed, their names will remain more particularly connected with that work. It is with Mr. W. R. Crane and the first idea that the first idea originated. It is the same member who prepared the various resolutions bearing on the subject. He advocated his plan with the conviction of its usefulness and through industry and perseverance has succeeded in removing all objections and in carrying it through. Next to him, Mr. O.J. Dunn has a fair right to our gratitude. With private means only, he organized a machinery covering the whole city of New Orleans and secured the voluntary and gratuitous concourse of the numerous commissioners and clerks. These two names will ever remain connected with the history of Reconstruction in 1865. Yeah. <laughs> it was first... Ex- It was the first successful effort of the whole Negro group in political cooperation and the disenfranchised citizens expressed their debt of gratitude in the Tribune, November 4th to the commissioners and clerks of registration who during two months attended with a zeal equal only to their disinterestedness. Attended with a zeal equal only to their disinterestedness to the tedious business of registering the names of the political pariahs. This debt will be paid by the, by the just esteem and well-earned respect of their fellow citizens. On the crest of this wave of unprecedented effort rose the figure of Warmoth. Thomas J. Durant, a Southern Unionist who had co- cooperated with Lincoln in restoring Louisiana, was the nominee by acclamation. He declined the doubtful honor, and Warmouth handsome, charming, and of fine military bearing was finally substituted. It is... Since it was with political wisdom to send the white man to Washington, and few others were willing to take the risk, Warmouth was more than willing. He was a born gambler of unflinching courage and causes good and bad. The election was held just before the Johnson Reconstruction State Legislature met, and Warmouth received nineteen thousand nine hundred three hundred ninety-six votes in 13 parishes. I didn't know they split elections by parish.
0: Mm-hmm. In Louisiana? Oh, yeah
1: or nearly twice as many as the number which Lincoln had recognized as sufficient to admit the state.
0: Naturally, most of these votes were cast by Negroes. Warmoth was careful, however, to have the Secretary of State affix his seal to a certificate attesting that the election had been held. He then went to Washington and spent several months getting acquainted with the Reconstruction leaders. He was accorded a seat on the floor of the House, while the senators and and representatives elected by Johnson's legislature had to cool their heels in the galleries. This election was a shrewd move on the part of the Negroes and brought the rivalry of Johnson and Congress conspicuously to the fore in Louisiana. Governor Wells found himself soon in an untenable position. He had opposed That's secession. That's not the position before- you want to be in. No, he had opposed secession before the war. But as a planter and southerner, when he came into power, he tried to unite the leading white persons of the state back of his administration on a platform acceptable to President Johnson. Once in power, his followers broke away and were determined to reestablish the antebellum status in all essential particulars. It was this mov- movement that was back of the black codes and the oppression of Union whites and Negroes. Said the Tribune, May 10th, 1865, were the planters willing to bestow the same amount of money upon the laborers as additional wages as they pay to runners and waste and dishonest means of compulsion, they would have drawn as many voluntary and faithful laborers as they now obtain reluctant ones. But there are harpies who most of them were in the slave trade and who persuade planters to use them as brokers to supply the plantations with hands at the same time using all means to deceive the simple and unsophisticated laborer.
1: Planters in
0: the yeah. I was gonna say, what?
1: what are harpies? I've never heard. What are harpies? harpies yeah. You
0: never heard the term harpies? Harpies are I don't. know. I mean, I I, I know harpy ladies from Yu Gi Oh. Um, harpies are like a, a half lady, half bird. Um, oh. I don't. I don't know what it's. I don't know what they're using it for in this mean. I think. I think it's like they prey on people. But uh, yeah, it's a half half lady, half bird from hmm. from okay. mythology. Also Um, (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. Always Yu-Gi-Oh. I've lost my place. Uh, The the planters in the legislature, elected in 1865, proposed April 7th, 1866, a convention for a new constitution. Wells vetoed the bill. Then a bill passed the House by a two-thirds majority to restore the antebellum constitution by legislative enactment. Two members of the House were sent to Washington to confer with Johnson. Johnson was in the midst of his fight with Congress, and he strongly advised against the move. Governor Wells was desperate. If the planners engineered a new constitutional convention, such a convention would be dominated by reaction and invite the vengeance of Congress. Wells, therefore, determined to reconvene the Constitutional Convention of 1864. He had a more or less shadowy legal right to do this, but the meaning of this convention meant that Negro suffrage would be recognized at least to some extent. Oh, how dare they? Uh, probably, according to the Lincoln formula, Negroes of intelligence, those who owned a certain amount of property, and former soldiers would get the right to vote. Oh, heavens. Oh, Betsy. If such a convention could have met in Louisiana in 1866, it would have been epoch-making. It would have turned the flank of the Johnson Phalanx and anticipated and softened the rigors of the Reconstruction Acts. The prospect of such a consummation was too much for the Louisiana Bourbons, and they determined to meet it by reopening the Civil War oh that's a way to do it i guess that yeah holy shit that that's okay that's that's one way to do it wells was a man of no courage and instead of placing himself resolutely at the head of this movement he kept out of all the way and induced a member of the convention of 1864 to issue a call summoning a meeting july 30th in the mechanics institute new orleans he (laughs) thought what oh (laughs) okay Punctuation is important, guys. We're going to read that sentence one more time. (laughs) Wells was a man of no courage, and instead of placing himself resolutely at the head of this movement, he kept out of the way and induced a member of the Convention of 1864 to issue a call summoning a meeting July 30th in the Mechanics Institute, New Orleans. He followed this by a proclamation ordering special elections in the large number of parishes not represented in 1864. The excitement was intense. A prominent judge harangued the grand jury against the meeting. The mayor told the general in command of the United States Army that he proposed to prevent the assembly. General Baird doubted the mayor's authority, but did nothing. Most of the leaders in the movement stayed away from the opening, and in fact, only a small number of members accepted the call. But Monroe, also chief of a secret society known as the Southern Cross, that sounds bad, Ooh, yeah, armed that's... his police and the mob who wore white handkerchiefs on their necks. Ooh, we're getting close. Oh. We're getting close. I see a I see a prelude. It's an origin story, guys. A single shot was fired and the mob deployed across the head of Dryas Dry Dryad Street, moved upon the state house and shot down the people who were in the hall. <coughs> The Reverend Dr. Horton, waving a white handkerchief, cried to the police, Gentlemen, I beseech you to stop firing. We are non-combatants. If you want to arrest us, make you, make any arrest you please. We are not prepared to defend ourselves. Some of the police, it is claimed, replied, We don't want any prisoners. You have all got to die. Oh, that's good. Dr. Horton was that, shot that- and fell. Mortally wounded. Dr. Dostai, who was an object of special animosity on account of his inflammatory address, was a marked victim. Shot through the spine and with a sword thrust through his stomach, he died a few days later. There were about 150 persons in the hall, mostly Negroes, seizing chairs. They beat back the police three times and barred the doors. This is the police. The police are doing this. Yeah, I was this I was about to say this seems fitting for our talks of systemic issues. I was, I was about to
1: say, um, not only can you trace the cops directly back to the, the slave patrols in the South, so this entirely makes sense. Um, but it's also kind of one of those, uh, tragically, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, not just in general police brutality, but f- decades after this, uh, my mind immediately goes to the MOVE bombing in, in Philadelphia, uh kind of ringing a bell with this you know essentially trapping black victims in by the cops yeah
0: the only member of oh no i'm sorry uh they're seizing chairs beat back the police three times and barred the doors but the police returned to the attack firing their revolvers as they came some of the negroes returned the fire but most of them leaped from the windows in wild panic in some cases they were shot as they came down or as they scrambled over the fence at the bottom the only member of the convention, however, that was killed was a certain John Henderson. Some six or seven hundred shots were fired. Negroes were pursued and, in some cases, were killed on the streets. One of them, two miles from the scene, was taken from the, his shop and wounded in the side, hip, and back. The dead and wounded were piled upon drays and carried off. Jesus. Yeah. This some is say, Jesus. Getting some uncomfortably say that, close
1: to the, the, the voice stuff. Yeah, we the finish. St. Louis,
0: yeah, the East St. Louis massacre. Um, Mm -hmm. some say that 48 were killed outright 68 were severely wounded and 98 slightly wounded in the hall and on the streets other reports say 38 people were killed 148 wounded and of the 38 all but four were colored as sheridan said it was no riot it was an absolute massacre too late general bird and the federal soldiers arrived and proclaimed martial law Mayor Monroe's threat to break up the convention succeeded completely, and but for the appearance of the United States troop, the killing would have undoubtedly have been much greater than it was. After this, many Union men left the state permanently and the new rule of organized anarchy ensued. Um, uh, I don't think this is the anarchy. This ain't the anarchy I'm about, Chief. The New Orleans riot was a characteristic gesture of the time and place. Most of the elected white members of the convention kept in the background to see what trouble was brewing negroes assembled most of them as spectators to find out what was going to be done for their enfranchisement it was these black spectators upon whom the brunt of the murder and assassination fell there was an unusual moral aftermath to this inexcusable slaughter and that it helped turn the national election of 1866 overwhelmingly against andrew johnson if there is any bright side to be had Turning any election against Andrew Johnson is a good one.
1: Yeah, seems very, very deserved in this case. And yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was against this background of lawlessness and murder, this practical reopening of the Civil War, that Congressional Reconstruction began. Under the National Reconstruction Act in Louisiana, 127,639 registered, of whom 82,907 were black. When Negro suffrage seemed inevitable, some support was made on the part of the planters to gain the Negro support. They began by cajoling the field hands, cajoling, cajoling, cajoling the field hands in a meeting in uh, Rapids Parish held by the planter. They said they would hold in high esteem the freedmen among us who ranged themselves on our side. Duncan F. Kenner, a prominent politician urged the people to accept Negroes and to try and gain their vote for the South. General P.G.T. Beauregard, who began the fighting at Fort Sumter, was oh, oh say, and wanted to raise the black flag after emancipation. Said, "If the suffrage of the Negro is properly handled and directed, we shall defeat our adversaries with their own weapons. The Negro is southern-born, with a little education and a proper." property qualification he can be made to take an interest in the affairs of the south and its prosperity he will fight with the whites interesting
0: March-
1: yeah <laughs> it's a, quite a turn of phrase there um, mr beauregard i don't think you're correct but fine <laughs> On March 18th, General Longstreet, a Confederate general, published two open letters advising submission to Congress. It becomes us to insist that suffrage be extended in all the states and fully tested. Other prominent Confederates agreed. Longstreet's wife afterward declared that this was the noblest act of her husband's life. But these overtures of a few planters were more than neutralized by the bulk of white Southern opinion, which was bitter beyond description. All Republicans were bitterly assailed. The shameless, heartless, vile, grasping, deceitful, creeping, crawling, wallowing, slimy, slippery, hideous, loathsome political pirates who, in the name of God and liberty, robbed the South and put the Southern states under a black government. They—they're just—they're so subtle about it.
0: They're so
1: subtle. Everything was said that was that would disparage or discredit the officials nothing was said to explain or justify their acts or conduct on the 25th of april 7 days after the election of officers under the new constitution the courier of of the teche yeah go with that Okay, Teche said, 14 men having having a covering of white skin over their flesh have voted for the mongrel constitution in the parish of St. Martin. May they be pointed out with the finger and scorned by all honorable men. May they be despised and hated by every living creature. May their wives, if such creatures can have wives, remain barren that their descendants may rot in jail or die of exhaustion in houses of ill fame. Jesus Christ. Uh, the banner, yep. l- the leading paper in its congressional district, said on the 20th of June, as the Republican members of this legislature and state government were assembling in New Orleans, these miserable devils are worse than the itch, smallpox, measles, overflow, droughts, and pestilence. God damn. Yeah. They're they're way mad about they, they black mad. people they're being big human mad. beings. They're big mad about it. Um On the other hand, Negroes kept hammering at their economic condition. A meeting was held in the first African church in May 1867 to colonize colored laborers on colored homesteads. From this time until the new Constitutional Convention met, the Tribune pled for a high class of delegates to the convention. From the president down to the doorkeeper and from the clerk and the chief reporter down to the printer, the choices should be made so as to convince the people of the state that the supremacy of a privileged class will be no longer fostered. And the time has come when the representatives of the colored race can find favor as well as white men. It is to be demonstrated that the long services of unfaltering devotion to the cause of radicalism shall obtain the reward irrespective of color or race, and to that effect it is important to choose officers from among both populations. But there is something more. It is important to show that the oppressed race will not be overlooked. That from this time forward, the rights of the neglected race will be recognized to share in all departments of our state government. The convention will have many things to do to break the spell under which we were laboring. The choice of officers will therefore have a political bearing and cannot be dictated by fitness only. The convention will meet under very peculiar circumstances, circumstances of originality and grandeur. It will be the first constitutional assembly, the first official body ever convened in the United States without distinction of race or color. It will be the first mixed assemblage clothed with a public character. As such, this convention has to take a position in immediate contradiction with the old assemblies of white man's government. They will have to show that a new order will succeed the former order of all things, that the long-neglected race will at last effectually share in the government of the state. By agreement, the 98 delegates to the Louisiana Convention consisted of 49 Negroes and 49 whites. Among the Negroes were many free-colored men of intelligence, property, and character. When it was suggested that subordinate officers may be equally divided between the races, PBS Pinchback. One of the colored leaders objected and declared that that was placing race above merit. It's
0: always nice when the, you was there a, was there a trend back in the day? Because we have we have W. E. B. Du Bois, we have PGT Beauregard, we have PBS Pinchback. Donate to your local PBS Pinchback Network was I get say. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> The The Negro Negro members members of the Constitutional... Sit down, it's my turn. The Negro members of the Constitutional Convention took a prominent and effective part. They were largely represented on committees, such as the Committee of 13, on rules and regulations where they had four members. In several cases, they acted as chairman of committees, as in the case of the Committee on the Militia and the Committee on the Bill of Rights. Their attitude, however, is best seen in the report of the Committee to draft a Constitution. The five white members of the Committee and the four colored members differed in certain essential particulars and sent in respectively a majority and minority report the chief points of difference were these the white men wished to deprive all of the leaders of the confederacy of the right to vote or hold office while the colored men would allow them to vote but restricted their right to hold office wait a minute why am i on the white guy side right now <laughs> i don't well, i don't feel comfortable agreeing with the white people but but um yeah but no. I just, I'm just, i just saying. It seems like a thing. Uh, white yeah. men wish to prevent any law being passed regulating labor or fixing wages. The colored men wished no such restrictions and also demanded that children bound out under the former black laws should be returned to their parents and relatives. I mean, that's good. The white men yep. made provisions for the education of youth, but the colored men were more specific and demanded at least one free public school in every parish to be provided for by public taxation with no distinction as to race and sex. They also asked for a university with six faculties and a state lottery for the support of education and charity. Damn, is that how far back the lottery's supposed Uh, grounding in education goes? All right, cool. While the white men wanted 98 state representatives, the colored men wanted 102, which probably gave certain colored sections a larger representation. I mean, I'm fine with that. In the final constitution, a compromise provided that no law should be passed fixing the price of manual labor, that there should be 101 representatives, that Confederate leaders could neither vote nor hold office, and that colored men's proposals for education, including no separation in schools and a university, should prevail. The colored men assented to this constitution, but two of them, Pinchback and Blandon, together with two white men, protested against the disenfranchisement of former Confederates. I I don't like that. As we are now and ever have been advocates of universal suffrage. Yeah, but it's different when you do something actively to lose the suffrage, like do uh, insurrection. Come on. It is interesting to note that the colored men who published the Daily Tribune were the official printers of the convention journal. The convention adopted the Constitution March 19, 1868. This Constitution made the Negroes equal to the whites and provided equal rights and privileges. Public schools were thrown open to both races. All adult male citizens resident in Louisiana for one year could vote, except certain classes of Confederates. The labor laws passed by the Democratic legislature of 1865 were declared null and void. The planters reviled the Constitution and called it the work of the lowest and most corrupt body of men ever assembled in the South. That's bold, considering you guys exist. Um, it was the work of ignorant Negroes cooperating with a gang of white adventurers, strangers to our interests and our sentiment. Your interests and sentiments are we'd like our slaves back, please. It was originated by carpetbaggers and was carried through by such arguments as printed on green-backed paper. It was one of the long catalogs of schemes of corruption, which make up the whole history of that iniquitous radical conclave. It's it's divisive. It's divisive, Nathan. It's divisive. Oh, my God. In the face of this, the laws of Louisiana, as codified on the basis of this Constitution and subsequent legislation, were finally adopted in the three main codes signed by the black lieutenant governor of the state, Oscar J. Dunn, and remain to this day as the basic law of the state. The free Negroes had, since the war, increased in numbers, wealth, and intelligence. On the other hand, the mass of the freedmen were ignorant and inexperienced and much lower in status because of their harsh slavery than even the Negroes of South Carolina. They had, however, two ever-insistent demands, land to cultivate and public schools. They had almost impoverished themselves under banks to keep the schools going, and while their demand for land never reached the definite expression that it did elsewhere, it was always the great motivating ideal. The colored I think people they sound produ-
1: pretty intelligent if that's their demands.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. The colored people produced some notable leaders during Reconstruction. Oscar J. Dunn ran away from slavery and finally bought his freedom. He laid the foundation for a good education before he became free. Dunn was the only one of the seven colored men who sat in the state Senate in 1868 who had been a slave. He was lieutenant governor 1868 to 1870 and was a man of courage and firmness. He was in my admitted by the Democrats to be incorruptible in the view of the Caucasian chiefs. The taint of honesty and of a scrupulous regard for the official proprieties is a serious drawback and inveterating reproach upon the lieutenant governor. His sudden death in November 1871 was a severe loss. Pinchback, son of a white man, and himself indistinguishable from white in personal appearance, was born in Georgia, educated in Cincinnati, and had been a captain in the army. He was intelligent and capable, but a leader of different caliber from Dunn. He was a practical politician and played the politician's game, yet there were limits beyond which he would not go. To all intents and purposes, he was an educated, well-to-do, congenial white man. But with a few drops of Negro blood, which he did not stoop to deny, as so many of his fellow whites did, Pinchback succeeded Dunn as lieutenant governor. And when Warmoth was impeached in December 1872, Pinchback became governor for a few days of the state. Uh, That's a very
1: short governorship.
0: (laughs) I imagine it was probably like right at the end of his term kind of a thing. And it was like a last second impeachment, sort of like what they were doing with Trump there at the end sort of a thing. Yeah. C.C. Anto- Antonine, Antonin. yeah, later, was also An- Lieutenant Governor. Antoine? Antoine? Is it An- C- I Antoine? I don't know. Yeah. All right. We'll go with Antoine. Antoine? Antoine. Yeah. Uh, later, was also Lieutenant Governor. The legislator sent J.H. Menard, a colored man, as one of the representatives of the lower house in Congress, but he was refused his seat. That's nice. Antoine? Yeah, it is Antoine. Why is it that I can see it as Antoine right there, but I can't see it when it's the last name? Antoine Dublisset, Du, set. yeah, double set, we're going with double set, was state treasurer, why do I have all the hard ones this time? Was state treasurer <laughs> during 1868 to 1879. He this whole his for, has been
1: tough with the words and the names.
0: It's been so many names. He conducted his office for 18 years without mistake or criticism. Politicians tried to find something wrong with his records, and the Algier Committee was appointed to examine the archives of the Treasury. They secured three expert accountants to investigate the Treasury for six months. The honesty and efficiency of the Treasurer was confirmed. There were the following colored officials in Louisiana. Charles E. Nash, congressman, It's 1874-76. to 76. PBS Pinchback, Governor, 1872, 43 days. (laughs) Lieutenant Governor, 1871 to 72. Oscar J. Dunn, Lieutenant Governor, 1868 to 71. CC Antoine, Lieutenant Governor, 72 to 76. PG Delon, Secretary of State, 1872 to 76. Antoine Dubliset, State Treasurer, 68 to 69. W. G. Brown, Superintendent of Public Education, 1872 to 76. Augustine G. Jones, once chancery clerk of Assumption Parish, was a direct descendant of the hero Paul, John Paul Jones of Revolutionary War fame. Yeah, we all know John Paul Jones, right? Uh, and who was captain of Bonhomme Richard. Several of his daughters are now teachers in Louisiana, New Orleans public schools. In addition, there were between 1868 and 1896, 32 colored senators and 95 representatives. David, I'm tired. Read.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these colored leaders had a task of enormous difficulty, much more so than those of South Carolina and Mississippi. They differed in origin and education. Some looked white, some black. Some born free and rich, the recipients of good education. Some were ex-slaves with no formal training. They were faced with an intricate social tangle among the whites. The economic and social differences were, in Louisiana, more complicated than in any other American state and this makes the history of Reconstruction more difficult to follow. First of all, there were the planters, rich before the war, largely officers and leaders in the Confederate Army, and now returned, embittered and widely impoverished. Then there were the host of traders, capitalists, and adventurers who had come down during and just after the war to seek a new field for investment in the conquered country, who were naturally regarded more or less as harpies. The number was formidable. For already by the fall of 1866, Ficklin says, between five and ten thousand Union soldiers had settled in the state. Among these were Warmoth and Kellogg. Add to these the Scalawags, the large number of whites, both planters and others, who became Union men during and after the war. Another factor was the numerous poor whites in the northern part of the state, living close to the sustenance line and, and on the thin soil of pine hills back in the Bottoms' land. Without schools, but with few churches, given to rude sports and crude methods of farming, their ignorance and prejudice bred in them after the emancipation of the Negro, a dread of of sinking to the social levels of the blacks. And we talked about that before, right? I mean, mm-hmm. your conditions can be a thousand times greater with the end of racism. You have the exact same uh, enemies as the black people do. These capitalists or, you know, in this case, it was the rich planter aristocracy of the antebellum times. and of course the capital is coming down from the north as well you could have these exact same interests it could be completely for you and there are just so many people that as long as there's a class below them that's what's important not who's above them what's above them what makes their life better can someone be below them and they will not give that up
0: you have to have someone to punch down on you just you have mm-hmm. to
1: The dread, in turn, bred hatred, and it was from this class, instigated very probably by the class above them, that the Colfax and Conchata murders took their unfortunate rise. And still, one other element, mischievous in the extreme, must be added to the social complex. Men who were pursued... Who, Yeah, who pursued no occupations, but preyed on black and white alike as gamblers and 10th-rate politicians, drinking and swaggering at the bar, always armed with a knife and, re- and revolver, shooting Negroes now and then for excitement. This class, recruited largely from the descendants of the old overseer of the Negro trader of antebellum days, had just enough education to enable them to dazzle the Negro by a political harangue. They became demagogic leaders of the Negroes, on the one hand, and murderers and fighters for the planters. It was this element that, more than anything else, kept up the turmoil of the state. According to Nordoff, the first duty of the Republican leaders in Louisiana was to hang them by the dozen. And it was because they were not crushed out, except so far as the respectable conservative could combat them, that Louisiana had to endure such a drawn-out purgatory before she was reconstructed. The number of negroes in the legislature of Louisiana was not exactly known, chiefly on account of the great mixture of blood. In the first legislature there were said to be forty two negroes and about half of the House and seven Negro Senators. The election showed that the predominant influence of the carpetbaggers over the negroes who had a good reason to be convinced of the bad faith of the planters. There was never a majority of negroes in either house of the legislature or in either house of the legislature during my four years of service as governor. The legislature elected in 1868 at the same time I was elected governor, but I had six colored men in the Senate out of its 36 members, and though the House of Representatives had more colored men in it than did the Senate, they never constituted more than one-third of the membership. So it was in the general election of 1870, only six of the 36 members of the Senate were colored men, and there were fewer Negroes in the House of Representatives than in the House elected in 1868. Whatever legislation may have been worthy of criticism during this administration was the work of white men in which the Negro members played but a modest part. The real fight that developed in Louisiana was between the planters on the one hand and the newcomers, northern and southern on the other. And these two factions fought to dominate both the poor whites and the Negroes, usually by characteristically different methods. And this this is very much like these are the two political parties battling it out, right? Yeah. It's, it's the reactionaries and the, the progressive capitalists all just for dominating control of the poor. None of it is solving anybody's problems.
0: Uh, no.
1: The planters resorted to the old method of cajoling the poor whites, giving them political and social recognition, and using them as thugs and murderers to carry out their ends. The carpetbaggers flattered Negroes, bribed those whom they could— could and gave them some recognition, but always at some crucial point broke their promises because they knew the Negro had no choice, especially in Louisiana. The question of social equality between whites and mulattoes was insistent, was an insistent sort of bitter sit, bitter feelings. Um, I was going to say, man, I did not realize that that party analogy was going to be so spot friggin' on too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And that is <laughs> with that, with that bombshell. With That analogy. Uh, we're we're gonna leave you for this week. We're we're gonna that that is that is the reading for this week, folks. Picking up next week on page four hundred and seventy-two. Put your bookmarks in. That was, a, that was a solid twelve pages. We made up ground. Yeah, from yeah. The last we, do, two weeks. we go we go
1: a lot faster than we used to. We yeah, really we're do. it's, it's almost like it.
0: we're getting better at this. <laughs> it only took us what two and a half years, give or take
1: three oh, years if, if you're just talking about reading this book it's just a little over a year the whole oh, this thing
0: book. well we've been reading books for longer than this one though you'd think we'd have learned a thing or two in the in the last couple
1: i was gonna say the straight book reading has probably been four years
0: oh jesus no no can't be I that don't know. Long i haven't yet. Been, oh, i'm not man. good with calendars how does time I- work I ain't good with numbers and stuff. Um, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. Um, if you would like to reach out to us in any way, you are more than welcome to the ways you can contact us are through email, marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Uh, next way would be on Twitter. We are Mark's Madness Pod at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Um and if you really want to join us and and hang out and hang out with other like minded people that also enjoy the show and enjoy other fun things that you probably enjoy too, um, especially if you enjoy Final Fantasy Fourteen, uh, then you can join us in the Discord. Uh and the Discord is linked in our Twitter bio, or if you need the link and don't use Twitter and refuse to make a Twitter just to get our Discord link, email us and we'll send you a link there too. Um but it's just a good it's a it's a chat room, it's fun times. People talk, we commiserate, we all high five about getting vaccines and whatnot. It's good time um you know the things you do uh that being said david it is disclaimer time i don't know I, I it's it's been a second since we disclaimed i think it's time you disclaimed okay sounds good so um back when me and nathan started this
1: podcast we were just kind of sitting down we we're like hey we're gonna read capital together and theory is always something you want to discuss in a group and we didn't really know what to do because our group at the time was two um and we did know how to record for a podcast. We thought, what the hell we'll record it just in case, make our group a little bigger. If we do decide to go forward with it. And then we did. And ever since that beginning, uh, our vision has been, hopefully you guys are out there in a party in an organization um, doing work for the people and that party or that work has a reading group or political education group. And hopefully they're reading this book uh, along with us and hopefully, or, on their own time and they're using us to supplement it or you're using us to supplement it along with the uh, discussion there. Save for that. Um, if you're just reading the book on your own, because these are pretty long books, and usually there's pretty short works uh, read in those groups, uh, then hopefully we can be your discussion group and give you feedback, uh, you know, keep you up to date with the context, and so that we get more out of the theory. Uh, say for that, say, you know, a book like this where we're essentially an enhanced ebook or a book where we summarize a little more and we kind of can become clip notes, whatever we can do to make this theory more accessible to you. Uh, and remember that. You know, with this theory is important because without theory, if you go out and you do things, it's just it's just charity. It's not praxis. But when you put the theory into action and you organize long term, that's praxis. And this theory means nothing without that praxis. Uh, theory praxis is theory and action. They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip.
0: Amen, as always, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Mark's Madness Pod. My name is Nathan. My name is David, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.